Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. Hey, my name is Ty. I'm one of the pastors here. It is an absolute joy to be with each and every one of you. Uh, let, let's all get on the same page. Uh, I'm going to say a saying. You say the rest of it. He is risen. He is risen now, I, I know for some of you, maybe you heard that. You're like, oh, I didn't know that was my line. Uh, you got you know, you to help me out. Like, uh, so so let me, I want to make sure we're all on the same page together. We're all in this together. Uh, maybe for some of my, my Catholic brothers and sisters, or maybe you got a Catholic background. How about this one? Peace be with you. And still, I know at this point, for some of you, are like, uh, look, I, I, I don't go to church. I'm not used to this church thing. Me too. I didn't grow up in church or anything like that. So let me really get us all on the same page. You ready? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, now, cool. We're all in this. We're all in this together. We're all here celebrating Easter together. I'm glad. Hey, but that's going to be my, my beginning question this morning is, uh, why in the world are you here? Uh, maybe you're a guest. Maybe this is the first time uh, being here. We are so glad that you would join us. Uh, and a matter of fact, if you come back next week at 4.30 out there in the lobby area, we've got this thing called Starting Point. If you show up to that, we've got a, a gift for you. And so make sure you uh, just get, come and meet some of us. Uh, uh, the pastor staff and other people will be there. Don't miss out on that. But why are you here? For some of you, you are here because you feel like this is your religious duty to be here. Like, like, I, like, I've got to do my religious thing. That's why you just show up on Christmas Eve, and I'm not bitter for that. It's okay. Uh, but you're like, hey, I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to do these things because it makes God happy or it makes someone in my family happy or at least it appeases them, and that's why I'm here. For some of you, you're here because you got in a car this morning. Someone said, get in the car. And you're like, okay. And you're like, you, did, you, just, you got in there. You didn't know where you were going, really. You just heard there's food at the end of this thing. You're like, I am here now. Now, I know also for some of you, maybe this past season or past seasons has been a, maybe a difficult season, and maybe you just kind of find in your life there's some hurt, you find in your life there's some brokenness, you find in your life that there's some loss, or maybe you find in your life that feel like there's something missing, and you thought, you know what, it's Easter time, perhaps I'll just show up to church, I'll give church, I'll give Jesus God Bible a crack at it, and see if I can get this brokenness or this loss or this feeling of something missing taken care of. Here, if that is you, I want you to hear this. The ache of your soul finds healing in Jesus. The unrest of your heart finds rest in Jesus. The nagging feeling of why in the world am I alive and what is my purpose on this earth? The purpose is found in Jesus. So hang tight, my friends. There's good news for you as well. And I know also that some of you are here because you love Jesus and because this is your church and you gather together and it's Sunday and you want to talk about Jesus and hear about Jesus. And for others of you, I know that you're here because you do love Jesus and perhaps this is not your church and perhaps you've maybe wandered away from God a little bit and wandered away. And so now this is your coming back. Let me, let me say this to you. If that is you, welcome home. Right. We're glad you're back. We're glad you're here. But nonetheless, uh, today, we're going to talk about Jesus, specifically the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I've got two goals today. I, I just want to kind of put those up front. Two goals today. Goal number one, I really want you, not just the person sitting beside you, I really want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about your faith in Jesus and your relationship with Jesus. That's number one, okay? Got that? Cool. Give me a little head nod. Okay. Number two, I want you to think about your relationship with the church. Like, what does it look like for you to be a part of a church? Like, that being a part of your life. Those are the two things I want you to think about today. Sound good? 
All right, today we're going to be in the Bible because each and every Sunday we preach from the Bible. So we're going to be in the book of the Bible called Colossians. Some of you are like, what's a Colossians? Is that like a fish or a dishware or something like that? No, it's a book in the Bible. And it's actually a letter that a guy wrote 2,000 years ago, we believe inspired by God, to a church in Colossae, which would be in the Middle East over around Turkey area right now. Uh, and so every week at Grace Point Church, we lead, teach, and preach from the Bible. And so if you don't have a Bible, we don't want you to feel left out. We've done you solid. We're going to put it on screen. Uh, we have free Bibles in English and Spanish up front and at center point. And then also, if you've got a smartphone, which I'm sure you do, uh, if, you, if you download version, you can do it while I'm talking. I won't think you're checking sports scores right now, because really there's no sports going on, am I right? Playoffs or NBA players are coming. Anyway, you can download that now, and then you can kind of check out all the notes there. But we're going to be there. And what I want you to hear is this. Paul, the guy who wrote this to the church, is not only writing to them, but we believe this is a timeless book inspired by God to us as well, and it speaks to us as well today. And what he wants them and us to understand is that Christianity may not be what you thought it was, and what we need to do is we need to allow the Bible, specifically Jesus, to tell us what Christianity is. Sound good? That's all we're going to do today. All right. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Are you there? or at least on the screen anyway. Here we go. He says this, see to it. So he's like, hey, pay attention to this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to, there's a phrase right there I want you to hang on to, human tradition. Don't let anyone take you captive to this thing called human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so he kind of he sets this contrast up here. It says, hey, make sure no one takes you captive by human tradition uh, that's not according to Jesus. Now, what does he mean by human tradition? I can give you one aspect of human tradition, if not careful, that we believe. And what is that one tradition, human tradition? It is this thing called religion. Religion is a human tradition. Now, some of you may bristle against that, but stay with me nonetheless. Uh, maybe for some of you, that's why you don't do church, Jesus, God, Bible, or anything like that, because you don't consider yourself a religious person. You're really not into religion. And when you think of religion, you don't think of it in a very uh, positive way. When you think of religious people, you think about the show The Simpsons, like Ned Flanders, Hi Diddly O, or you think about The Office, Angela Martin, kind of a hypocrite right there as a Christian as well. You think about that. Like when it comes to you throwing a party, you don't think about like, hey, I want to invite some very religious guys and girls over to hang out with me. You never think about that, do you? You don't think about that when you're watching a sports game, do you? You're like, I want to invite some religious people. That way, when your team loses, probably because of the Cowboys or God forbid the Raiders, and, and, and you want to throw your remote down, you got a religious person beside you. You're like, oh my gosh, you don't want to do that, right? I'm, I don't know anything about football. It's okay. Some of you Raider fans out there are like, oh gosh, let's get him afterwards. It's okay. You can be here. Now, you may be asking, like, well, Ty, when you say religion, this feels very, like, abrasive because I thought religion is what church was and I thought religion is what you do. Religion in the human tradition sense is not what you think it is. Here's what religion in the human sense is. It's things I do and do not do to make God like and love me. It's my attempts to get God to be okay with me. Religion is I just follow a set of do's and don'ts, and if I can really do the do's well and not don't or not do the don'ts well, if I can do those things, then God is okay with me. The idea is that if I'm moral and if I'm good and if my good outweighs my bad, then God is going to love me, God is going to like me, and then God is going to accept me into heaven. That's most people's view of, of religion. Can I, can I just be honest with you? That sounds horrible. You know why? Because as hard as we all try, we never feel like we measure up. Am I right? 
We, d- we just don't, and it sounds terrible. Listen, um, I, I, did, I grew up not going to church. Uh, it was not my background, Christianity, or anything like that. I didn't start going to church until my early 20s, and I remember when I started being serious about Jesus, started following Jesus at 23, I had a very incomplete view of Christianity. Maybe you can relate to this. I had a lot of holes and a lot of gaps in my belief. Christianity, in my mind, was all about doing the right thing. So that meant quit smoking. That meant hide tattoos. That meant stop swearing. It meant to do things like that. It also meant to go to church and smile a lot and sing to all the songs and make sure you laugh at all the pastor's dumb jokes. and all. Like You ha- have to do all these things and learn some Christian jargon while you're there, like hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey, brother, hey, sister. And you have to learn these kind of things. And as a matter of fact, if I it got rid of all my secular worldly music, actually the good music and the good television, the good movies, if I did all of those things, well, you know, Perhaps God would like me, God would love me, and I would go to heaven, and then I would do well in this world. Is that how most of you have viewed Christianity, if not careful? That's the way I saw it. Listen, that is not what Christianity is. I'll even argue that Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It's never intended to be a religion. It's more than that. Jesus, when he did the work on the cross by dying on the cross and his resurrection from the grave signified the death to religion, if religion means our efforts and our work trying to earn favor with God. Is that what you thought Christianity was? Perhaps we need to allow Jesus to show us what it is. So go back to verse 8. Basically, everything I just said, that human tradition, if you look at the end of verse 8, it says, this is not according to Christ. So how would Jesus... How would his word define what Christianity is? Look at verse 9. It says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's a really big phrase right there. Deity, what's deity mean? It's like God, right? God dwells in bodily. What's bodily mean? Human, like people, us. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And so what this text and much of the Bible is saying, that Jesus is like us in the sense of he became one of us, yet he is unlike us because he is fully God. And when you are in him, as the text says right here, meaning you have placed your faith in Jesus, you, have, you trust Jesus, you worship Jesus exclusively, he said you are filled. And that filling, what we believe from the Bible, is that you will receive the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, meaning God's presence is always with you. That's what Christianity is about. And what we keep going, look at verse 11. It says, in him, the him right here is Jesus, in Jesus also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, for all you guys out here, this is a wait a minute moment right here, am I right? It's like, hey, everybody, today we're baptizing and circumcising. Who's up first? I just gave you something to have to explain to your kids when you get home. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, notice the text says, made without hands. Aren't you glad for that? Made, what's, what is the Bible talking about here? When it says made without hands, if you look further into the Bible, the circumcision he's talking about is basically of the heart. When you trust Jesus, God cuts away the old 
hard, callous, stony parts of our heart. The parts of our heart that was rebellious against him. The parts of our heart that did not want him. I remember, like I said earlier, before I followed Jesus, I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with the Bible. But then I trusted Jesus and something transformed in me. It's like he cut away that old rebellious nature to where now I want the things of God. That's, that's one of the greatest miracles of trusting Jesus is that he gives you brand new desires for him. I think that's one of his greatest works. And then look what it says in verse 12. It says, having been buried with him, with Jesus in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. And so now we're talking about baptism. Here in just a little bit, that's what you're going to witness. We have many people signed up for the 9-11 and 1 o'clock to be baptized today. You're going to see a physical picture of people getting into the water. And as they stand there saying, this is the old me. And as they go under the water, they're saying, I died and I've been buried in Christ. And then I'm raised up out of the water like newness of life. They're showing us a picture of the gospel, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They're identifying with 2,000 years plus of church history and Christians who have gone before them, brothers and sisters, and also identifying with that good news of Jesus. I would put to you as this as well, perhaps you need to start thinking about being baptized today. Might be something you need to put on your radar, but, but, but hang on to that. Hang on to that. Because I know in a room this size, many of you have been baptized. My question is, have you been baptized into Christ? For some of you, maybe you have been baptized into human tradition. Maybe you got baptized because that's what everyone else was doing. Maybe you were a kid and you went to camp and everybody was marching up there to get into the water or get into the, the pond, the lake, the stream, whatever you were in. And you were like, well, I'll just do that too because I don't want to be left out. Maybe you were baptized for that reason. Maybe for some of you, you're my Catholic brothers and sisters, my friends. You would say, hey, I was sprinkled as a baby. I didn't have any, any say in the matter or anything like that, but it was a tradition. It was a good tradition in my family, and so I got sprinkled into that. I was baptized. Maybe for some of you, you come from an LDS or a Mormon background, and at eight years old, you got baptized. Why? Because that's what your parents told you to do. And so you were baptized. And maybe for many of you, you've been baptized because you have trusted Jesus and you went public with your faith. We have a big pull here, and you may be wondering, well, Ty, what's the big deal with baptism? Baptism has a lot of confusion around it, so I want to I help you understand what it means to be baptized, especially since the text is talking about it. Baptism is both spiritual and physical. I'll say it one more time because I really want you to understand this. Baptism is both. Together, it is spiritual and it is physical. It is spiritual uh, first before it is physical. Meaning you have trusted Christ. The Bible says, and Jesus says of himself, that you have been born again. That means you've had the second birth. That means you have a new nature in Christ. That means you have trusted Jesus and exclusively worship him and him alone. That means your desires are for him now and you follow him. You've been born again. That is a spiritual rebirth is what the Bible tells us. That is spiritual baptism. But then it is also physical in nature as well. That means that you get in the water and you show people that I'm a follower of Jesus. The baptism doesn't save you. It's just showing people that you are saved. It's kind of like a wedding band. It shows that I'm married. It's kind of like for lack of better terms, it's kind of like your Christian tattoo up here. Like, boom, I just got marked by Christ. I am marked out to be one of his. Now, for some of you, you may have one without the other. For some of you, uh, maybe you have a physical baptism, but you've not had a spiritual baptism. That you have been baptized at some time, maybe as a baby or maybe later in life, but you've never really trusted Christ. Well, it's kind of like 
having a fake ID. Anyone in here ever had a fake ID? Don't tell me that. You're in church. <laughs> Sinner. But yeah, it, it, so, so we've all heard. If you have a fake ID, you can get into places that you don't belong. Your ID says, hey, I belong here and I can go in here and I can have access here. But in reality, it is a, a, is a farce. It is a, a fake. It is not true of you. That's what it's like to be physically baptized without the spiritual. It's not, it's not really true. You have a, a fake ID when it comes to you. For some of you, uh, perhaps you've trusted Jesus, but you've not been baptized. You've not been baptized after you've trusted Jesus. Well, that's kind of the opposite. It's like getting pulled over without a driver's license. You ever been pulled over without a driver's license? Guess what you get? Like you can sit and argue with the officer and be like, I passed the driver's test. I've, I've legally done all the requirements. I have the driver's license. I left it at home. I totally forgot about it. And they're like, don't care. You know why? Can't see it. And so you get a ticket. It's the same way that as well. For some of you, you have trusted Jesus, but now it's time to be obedient. The Bible doesn't know anything of Christians who are not baptized. And so it is very important to be baptized. It's to be baptized spiritually and physically as well. This is what Easter is all about. Baptism points to Easter. Easter is about Jesus, Jesus living, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus living again. And so Easter points us to that same pattern that we're alive that you and I, were going to die. But Jesus, he says, I want you to live again with him. He promises us because of the resurrection, because he came up out of the ground, he promises us that you will as well, that you will have the blessed life in heaven with him when you trust him. This is a big deal. This is not just something we show up on Sunday. This is not something we kind of pay homage to or like, oh, that was a good message, Pastor. No, no, your life hangs and your eternity hangs at the balance of all this. So how do you get it? How do you trust Jesus? Is it by being religious? Is it by doing good works, like you know, buying Girl Scout cookies and walking little old ladies across the street or anything like that and not listening to Nickelback or watching Transformer movies or whatever that is? Is that how you get it? And the answer is no, it's not. Listen to me, Christianity, it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. Can, can you get that? Because so, so much we think is, well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to... No, 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 no. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 13. He says, and you, this is you, you, you were dead in your trespasses. Trespasses is another word for sin. You were dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Remember, the flesh is not talking about your skin and bones right here. The flesh is talking about your, your sin nature. He said, you were dead. And so when you trust Jesus... You go from death to life. It's not like you're just going from like, I am a bad person, now I'm a good person, or hey, I'm an irreligious person, now I'm a religious person. It's not that at all. No, no, you literally go from death to life. For, for some of us, we see our sin as just mistakes. Like my sin, they're just mistakes. If I have enough therapy, enough counseling, enough medication, enough life coaching, enough, you know, all those type of things, then I can minimize and mitigate my sin. But the reality is it's more than that. You have a sin nature. You ever tried to not sin? How's that working for you? Some of you are like, I've tried it and I'm really good at it. Well, there's self-righteousness, so it just knocked you off your high horse on that one. There you go. 
It's actually a part of your human condition. There's a book in the Bible called Romans. Side note, next Sunday, we're starting the book of Romans. Please be here. Uh, it, it is going to help you understand Jesus, God, Bible. It's going to be great. But in Romans chapter 5, 12, it says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, being Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. We all have sin. That means we're dead in our sins. Psalm 51, 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Meaning you were born as a sinner. You ever been around a one and two-year-old? Did you teach them how to be selfish? Did you teach them how to lie? No, you didn't. How did they just naturally, instinctually know how to do that? Because as cute as they are, they're little sinners, just like you as well. This means you are dead. Dead. Question, what can dead people do? You sure of it? Nothing. They do nothing. They just stay they dead. And so the Bible tells us that spiritually speaking, we are dead. And so we need someone to bring us back to life. Who better to bring us back to life than the one who came back to life, Jesus? And so that's what the resurrection means. That's what Easter is all about, is that we can go from death to life. We can be alive in Christ. Let me give you one more really part of a uh, good spot of this good news. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses. I love that. Forgiven all of our trespasses, that you can be forgiven. Look at verse 14. It says, by canceling the record of debt, that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. So not only do we go to death to life, we go to guilty to innocent. When you trust Jesus, he sees you not as a guilty sinner, he sees you as innocent. And the text right there talks about the legal demands. You know what the legal demands are? The legal demands are the law of God. And when you look at the Old Testament, there's the law of God. There are 613 laws. But here's what we really know. We know the big 10, right? The 10 commandments. And so my question to you is, have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Some of you are like, no. And I'm like, well, there's a lie. And so I just made you, so you get it. And so it has legal demands. Romans, again, a book we're starting on next Sunday, Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us have sinned. We have a sin record. But the good news is that, like text says, that your record can be canceled. Back in that time period, 2,000 years ago, they, uh, let's say you had, a, you had a financial debt, and they would take your financial debt and they would write it on parchment paper. Uh, now, they were grow- going green back then before it was even cool now. And so instead of just getting new parchment paper, they would take your debt when you paid it off and they would wash it. They, they wouldn't take it and file it in the back to bring it back up at another time. No, 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 no. They would wash it completely clean. The same is true when you trust Jesus, when you follow Jesus, when you exclusively worship Jesus, when you receive Jesus, is that your debt, your record of sin, past, present, and future is forgiven. Never to be brought up and thrown into your face again. Never to come back and haunt you again. Can, can we just be honest how good that is? Uh, if you're anything like me, do you have a past? Would you, would, would you want me to point you out right now? Like, hey, give them a mic. Let's talk about your past right now. Would you like that? Of course not. 
Some of us have a present. And some of us are like, yeah, I know I'm going to blow the future as well. <laughs> the good news of the gospel, remember, it's not about what you've done, what you're doing, or what you will do. It's about what Jesus has done. And so the record against you is washed. Nothing can ever stick to it again. When God looks at you, he sees the perfect record of Jesus. He paid. That's what it says, nailing it to the cross. He paid for your sin. Isn't that good news? That sin that haunts you, that sin that you, you, you want to use to identify you, that sin that everyone else keeps throwing up into your face of whatever you've done, no more. It's, it sounds too good to be true, isn't it? But that's what we call the gospel because it is good news. Listen to me. This is what Easter is all about. This is the gospel. And perhaps you thought Christianity was just another religion. It's not. So armed with all that information, what are you going to do with it? Well, look back at our text. Colossians 2.6 says this. It says, Therefore, in light of all of this, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. There's two things I want to pull out of that. Receive and walk. Receive means to trust. Receive means to hand Him your sin. Receive means to trust Him with your life now and eternity as well. Receive Him. And then the second part of it is walk in Him. And that walk, our Bible tells us, is to walk in freedom in Christ, to walk as an innocent person before Christ, to walk as a person in this newness of life. Receive and walk. And so today, today, you can receive Jesus. Today, you can trust Jesus. Today, you can give him your record of sin. You can give him all of your sin and you can be forgiven today because Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for you. And Jesus rose from the grave to defeat sin, your sin, Satan, death. So what do you do? Today, if you want to trust Jesus, I'm going to put a prayer on the screen. There's a prayer. It's in two parts. You'll have to read it. She'll switch it back and forth. Listen to me. This prayer does not save you. These words on the screen do not save you. It's not some kind of incantation or secret code to get to God. It's not at all. But if this is the intention of your heart of like, no, no, I want to trust Jesus, let me help give you some vocabulary. Perhaps you could tweak this a little bit, but the idea is like, God, forgive me of my sin. I place my trust in you. And this is a little bit more wordy to help you with that as well. Now, for the rest of you, you say, hey, I've already trusted Jesus. Let me ask you the question. Are you walking in Christ? How do you walk in Christ? Can I be honest with you? How do you walk in Christ? You walk in Christ with brothers and sisters. You never walk alone. Listen to me. You never walk alone. It's why we're saved to a family. That's why baptism is not only showing you this picture of you identifying with Jesus, it's also showing you a picture of you identifying with the church, your family. And so for many of you, this walking, you're like, oh, I've, I've walked. I've walked away from God. Listen, walk back to God. He is willing and able to forgive and, and welcome you back in. And we are a church. We welcome you here. And we want you to walk with Jesus here. Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite authors, you may know him. He, uh, he, um, he wrote the book, uh, The Message. I don't know. Anyway, he said this one time. He says, we can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than we can be a person and not be in a family. It is part of the fabric of redemption. Receive and walk. Now, some of you are wondering, like, okay, uh, what about this big pool of, of water? Well, well, perhaps today you are being spiritually baptized. You're trusting Jesus. 
Your next step is to be physically baptized. And guess what? We got water right here for you. And you're like, whoa, 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 Ty, hey, I am not ready for that. Well, the good news is uh, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. And so we got shorts and shirts out there for you. So not only do you trust Jesus today, you get a free set of shorts and shirt. And you can get it, or you can go on what you got on there. I don't mind as well. But, but why not your first act of faith and obedience, trust Jesus and be baptized today? I mean, baptism is saying that I have died. The old me has died. I'm brand new in Jesus. I identify with Jesus. I know some of you are like, well, Ty, I just don't know. I just, I got questions. I, 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 I don't know if I know it all. I don't know. What, what if people look at me different? Like, what, what is going on? Listen, listen, don't worry about any of that. If you trust Jesus, trust him and trust him all the way up here and be baptized. Now, for some of you, you would say, hey, uh, like, I, I don't, I, I've been baptized, but not baptized as a believer. Maybe you've been sprinkled as a child and you didn't make a decision. You were like, hey, that's just what tradition was and whatever. Here's what I would say to you as well. Why not have a new start today, trusting Jesus and be baptized as well? It doesn't just throw away your Catholic tradition. It doesn't throw away important things in your life. You're just saying, hey, I want to be obedient to God's word and I want to step out in faith. And so today, I've never been baptized as a believer. I trust Jesus and I want to be baptized. Why not you be baptized as well? Here's what we're going to do. I think God calls us to a decision. Indifference is not a decision. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray in just a moment. When I say amen, uh, the band's going to come back out and we're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you want to trust Jesus and trust Jesus and be baptized, or you have already trusted Jesus, but you want to be baptized, during the song, I'm going to ask you to write out those doors right there. There are men and women out there that would love to help encourage you, pray with you, talk to you, get you ready and all that. So don't miss this opportunity to go right out those doors as soon as I say amen. Perhaps you brought someone with you. Uh, That's the car buddy you brought with you. Now is your opportunity to look at them and say, hey, if you want to trust Jesus today, I don't want you to walk out there alone. So I'll get up and go with you, and I'll be with you all along the way, because no one wants to do that alone. So it would be a great opportunity to be a good friend, good family member, and say, hey, if you want to trust Jesus, I'll go with you, okay? So I'm going to pray, and if you want to trust Jesus today, walk right out those doors. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your great love, mercy, and kindness towards us. God, you know we've been praying for people to come and hear good news, that Jesus, you love them, You lived for them. You died forgiving sin. You resurrected, defeating sin, Satan, and death. You've made the way to where we don't have to be religious. We can have a relationship with you, and we can be part of this global, eternal family. And so, Father, I pray and continue to pray, would you just save people? Would you call people out of darkness into light? Would you call people out of death into the life. Would you forgive sins today? Create spiritual birth today? And I pray also, God, you give people faith to do that. You give them the courage and boldness that they, that they will just trust you and follow you. They will receive and walk. And as you're doing this, may we as a church celebrate that. May we as a church be grateful for that. And so, God, we pray that you would do your saving work today. All in the name and for the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, guys, let's all stand. And we're going to sing together. And here in a moment, we're going to baptize people. And so if you want to trust Jesus, trust him now. Walk out those doors 
and talk to someone. Maybe you brought someone with you. Ask them, hey, you want to trust Jesus? I'll go out there with you. Do that now as we sing.